Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. And I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Quarks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words in Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to Quarks and Conversation with Ashley Winstead. Yes, we are so excited to talk with this debut author of In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife, which we love. Love the cover. I'm obsessed with this cover. Yes, it's very cool. And it seems that we were not the only ones completely obsessed with this debut thriller. Um, The list of great reviews and praise is long, topped by the New York Times book review and an Amazon best book of the month is all. Oh, that's it. That's That's it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So this book is great. And so let me tell you a little bit more about Ashley. Yes, please. Ashley Winstead holds a PhD in contemporary American literature from Southern Methodist University and a BA in English and Art art History from Vanderbilt University. Um, She lives in Houston, Texas, my Southern place, um, where she drinks red wine and um, dreams up novels. Her debut novel, In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife, which we just spoke about, came out last summer, as Kathy said, to rave reviews. For example, the New York Journal of Books review said of the novel, a twisty dark puzzle. Fans of books such as The Girl on the Train and Gone Girl will find this book captivating, as well as anyone who enjoys being led down a winding, frightening path. Highly recommended. So, Ashley, it's so good to see you today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And thank you for that incredible introduction. It's the most confident I've felt in a very long time. Uh, actually sound uh, legit. So thank you. Yes, you definitely <laughs> do. are legit. Yep, yep. So for today's uh, podcast episode, the most important thing is really the wine. <laughs> Not <laughs> because really, but we finally you know. met our author soulmate who likes to drink red wine while she's plotting up her books. Christy, this is so perfect. I know. So we're drinking the La Crema. Well, some of us, some of us aren't <laughs> today. Sad. Wham wham. Um, are drinking the La Crema Pinot Noir, which seems a perfect match for a cool November evening, which I think only one of the three of us is having, I'm just saying, um, talking about this dark, twisty novel. The La Crema um, Pinot Noir is from Sonoma, California, and it has aromas. You guys take a drink while I read here. Okay, sure. Thank you. Yeah, this is like a drinking game. It has aromas of ripe cherry, cocoa, anise, and rich baking spices, plush flavors of cherry, plum, and pomegranate, Meld with hints of delicate tea leaf, structured, balanced acidity, and elegant, firm tannins round out the mouth. Well, that's a lot. That's a it lot is very tasty. It is very tasty. And uh, I don't know that I get all of that because my palate isn't sophisticated enough. No, but I, I yeah. never I love am. it. <laughs> I'm like, if yeah. you say that's in there, then I believe <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, right. I know they can really write anything at this point. You know? yeah. At this point, <laughs> right. I, and some of them, I love the the wine descriptions that are just so creative, like old leather shoe straps. <laughs> <Yeah. And> like, <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I Great. get that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, a few yeah. glasses in and you're, you'll believe anything. You're like, I can see that leather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, awesome. Man. So this is pretty great. So like the review said, this is a twisty, turny psychological thriller. 
And I'm gonna show the cover again because I'm I'm really obsessed. I just think the title's great, the cover's great, and the book lives up to it. I'm just saying. But this um, involves a college tenure class reunion, and the main character Jessica tells the story through her points of view, both now and when she was um, in college. So she's, so the chapters are now and then, and I really am curious about your point of view choice. And I should tell everybody that the scene is a 10 year college reunion, like you mentioned, we're brought back to the murder of one of this really tight knit group of, of students. There's six friends. So talk to us about your choice of point of view for Jessica being the eyes that we hear this or see this through. Yeah, I love that question. And a lot of times that question is actually framed as why did you choose such an unlikable uh, (laughs) character through which to frame your book? And so I'll start by kind of acknowledging her unlikability, but saying that's precisely why I was so determined to write this book from the point of view of Jessica Miller, because I, you know, as a similarly unlikable woman, I guess, um, which I would, I would argue so many of us are if we were held to the same standards that fictional characters right. were. That's true. So I started writing in my dreams, I hold a knife and really uh, Jessica was the first thing I saw. Mm. So I, I call in my dreams, my failure book, um, which is maybe ironic or strange because it's my debut novel. It's like the first novel that actually broke out for me and got got published. Um, But I started dreaming up the book after experiencing like a gauntlet of professional failure in my writing career. I had been trying to write for over a decade um, had gone through spells where I, I gave up completely, um, you know, spells where I tried desperately, desperately shelved manuscripts, and I had gotten so close, I thought, in the, in the winter of 2019. I, I thought I had, I got into a program called Pitch Wars, which I, I won't, you know, so I could spend a lot of time talking about it, but I won't um, just know that it's a, a mentoring program, a pretty famous mentoring program yeah. for unagented writers. And the whole point of it is to gut your book together with more experienced writers and then uh, showcase your work and have agents flock to you. And their agent r- rate of getting people uh, agented is just so high. And it's like the golden ticket for unagented writers. And so I thought after years and years of moving closer and failing that this was going to be my time and i crashed and burned in Mm -hmm. that agent showcase so hard i got very little interest and the extra layer of of difficulty here is for for a long time i had been trying and failing in obscurity just by myself you know when you send out queries to agents that's just you and the agent uh this was a very public failure because Mm -hmm. the website is public Everyone, you know, the ton of people in the writing community go to speculate and watch and witness. And so I was feeling very humiliated, frankly. And not only that, but I was friends. I just made all these new friends in in the Pitch Wars community who were soaring, who were Mm. getting those agent, those agent relationships and, and publishing their book. So I had a dark night of the soul where I grabbed a bottle of red wine uh, (laughs) to no one's surprise. I turned off all the (laughs) lights in the house. I laid on my couch. I sipped off this bottle and I just let myself feel what I was going to feel 
because deep in my heart, I was so jealous of my friends. Mm. And I was so ashamed that I couldn't just succeed. And I also knew I could tell no one because that is shameful to feel that way. And you're not supposed to feel that way. And so as I'm laying there, knowing that this is my night and tomorrow I'm going to have to get up and swallow it like an adult and move on. I let myself channel my feelings into this vision of a woman who would not be healthy, who would not, you know, who, who did not, who would refuse to let the world treat her the way that she, you know, didn't feel she should be treated, who would do anything and wait however long it took to kind of reorder the world to recognize her. So I really channeled a lot of those feelings. And so I saw the vision of Jessica in my head, this woman like pouring over her reflection in the mirror, looking for flaws and being glad that there weren't too many. Um, and that's really how the book just took off for me. So it all started with Jessica. So this, so you did Pitch Wars with another book? I did. Yep. A wow. book that is now shelved and will never see the light of day. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, because when I was research researching it, I thought this was the book from Pitch Wars. Wow. So well, you I wrote wish. it really quickly, didn't you? And then got it out there. Yes. So the power of procrastination is what I say about this. Um, I did end up after a long time of, of pain, getting an agent from my Pitch Wars book eventually. So I wish I could have told myself that on that dark night that it was coming. Um, and quickly after I got my agent, she sent me a, I, I love Melissa, if you ever hear this, I love you. This is not a complaint, but she sent me like a 25 page edit letter or something on this book that I just spent months gutting. And I looked at this edit letter and I said to myself, I could do this, or I could start fresh on, some, on this idea that just sparked into my head, this thing I feel a compulsion to write. And so I let myself procrastinate what I needed to do by writing this other book. And I did, I wrote it. I, I had a full-time job during that time. And so I was working really like probably 60 hours a week at my full-time job. It was very intense. So in nights and weekends, I just grabbed whatever time I could. And it took me four months to draft in my wow. dreams, which, wow. which I would say isn't the fastest, you know, I've heard writers say like, Oh, I've, you know, I, I drafted in two weeks or it sounds, yeah. it's pretty fast. We <laughs> yeah. need a lot of okay. it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that's of course doesn't count the editing, uh, all the editing that it went through, but yeah. And especially when you're working full time, oh, 60 hours, I mean, you know, that's a big, I was not sleeping. Yeah. I don't but you were know. driven by this story. This, that's right. what's so cool about this is that you had this, she came to you and you had to get her out on the page. When I think back to the process of writing, I like, it's almost a body memory of feeling of being hunched over my laptop, almost breathless. Like I could not get the words wow. on the page fast enough. So that, that's what I remember. A haze, but that. That's that so cool. So, so Jessica, she had to be your point of view yeah. narrator. I mean, you didn't even consider then like multiple points of view because you had six, these six characters. So that's really interesting. It's a big ensemble cast, but I knew it had to be Jessica. 
Um, I actually did not know that, you know, I'll keep the discussion spoiler. Yeah, we're not going to give any spoilers. Yeah, because you have to go buy the book. <laughs> yes, yeah. no, no spoilers, but there are some POV changes. And I actually didn't know before I started writing. I knew what the plot would be. But once I got to those points of the plot, I thought to myself, this has to shift POV. Right. I didn't know if I was allowed to do that by like... <laughs> The, you know, the right, the contract, the yeah, the rules, the contract <laughs> right. that I'd established with the reader, like you're going to hear this story from Jessica's POV. So I just experimented and thought like, let's see if I'll, I can get away with this. If readers will follow it me. really went seamless when you're oh, reading great. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it really good yeah. to hear. Yeah. So did you know, so as, cause as you're reading this uh, to me, as a, as a writer reading this, I thought she had to be plotting this so intricately to go back and forth. Yeah. So are you going to break my heart and tell me that you just pants this? <laughs> I am not going to break your heart. I'm confirm <laughs> confirming your writer's instincts in that I wrote a 42 page outline for this book before I ever got to that, like, you know, that, that daisy phase of, of drafting yeah. where I just meticulously plotted every inch, every scene into the dialogue. I color coded wow. all of the different plot lines with the different characters so that I could put them up on my wall and visually see the, the plot lines interweaving and see like, oh, there's, there's not enough here of this happening here. You know, we need to, we need to fix that. So yeah, I, wow. I'm a fan of intricate mysteries. So I really wanted to try my hardest to, to write one. You sound like Kathy to me. I mean, she's, she likes all that planning, you know, I do. Like, I like the planning that turns two planners. me planners. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I, to be honest, I can't even start writing until I have the entire book plotted from A to Z. That's how much of a planner I am. Don't you think that that allowed you then to do that just feverish writing? Cause you yes. could just in, immerse yourself because you knew right. where you were headed. That's what I always say when uh, my, my lovely pantser friends are like, oh, that sounds miserable. Don't you then get <laughs> bored? because you've already told yourself the story. Um, and I'm like, no, it's the exact opposite. That doing that meticulous planning gives me the freedom to be creative and explore because I feel like I've got this foundation under my feet mm -hmm. and okay, I can, I can revise things if, mm -hmm. you know, the creativity takes over, but mm. yeah, it's what frees me up. Yeah. I can see that too. Yeah. Even I though I'm that. a pantser, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but like, you know, when I get towards the end, when you have to really pull everything together, that's when I kind of really plan more. And then it is, it goes really fast then because I'm like, oh, I don't have to guess like, oh, what do I want them to do today? You know, I can just be like, okay, they're doing this, you know, so. I find pantsing magical. I would great. love to be able to have that talent, but. Oh, right. Just well. You also, your all your characters are very, very complex. And I'm wondering too, do you do the same level of, you know, backstory, everything before you even get started on writing on them? Yeah, um, I am devoted to Lisa Kron's story genius. And I use- <laughs> Kathy's yeah. like, it's right here. <laughs> no, I did, I grabbed it. Because I read that you liked it and I grabbed it. This is the- six. It's so good. Um, and I, I fully agree with Lisa's thesis in this book that, you know, plot is great and everything, but what readers are really coming to stories for is to immerse themselves in someone else's mind. And they want to see 
they want to be glued to someone's brain and see them make choices and see them confront things and see this development arc and just feel like they really understand this person's brain. And so I reading, I've, I've used the story genius for every book I've written so far. And I started, um, I did the story genius method, which with each of the characters and in my dreams. So that also took me um, quite a little while. But what I did is I, I call it now character mapping, which is probably something I stole from somewhere. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, it works. <laughs> so I started with uh, Jessica and Heather, and they were my two touchstones uh, in the book, my two characters. And so I did deep dives in figuring out who these two women were, not their birthdays and their favorite colors, but their deepest, darkest desires and their misbeliefs, what they misunderstood about the world that just constantly shot them in the foot. And so I figured this out for them. And then I built all of the other characters in the friend group, all the rest of the East House Seven in relationship to them. So I knew two things. I wanted each of the other characters. I set a lot of rules for myself, but I, I wanted each of the other characters to have something that Jessica wanted really deeply, but couldn't get like mint with his money or Frankie with his natural talent and so on. Uh, or Coop with his like ability to not care and, and disassociate. <laughs> uh, so each of the other characters would represent something that she wanted, but couldn't have. And then each of the characters in turn, Heather would represent or, or threaten something that they wanted very deeply. And that was necessary, I felt, to make each of them credible suspects in her murder. It worked. <laughs> Again, it worked. Oh. <laughs> so I, That's interesting. I'm going to have to get that book, I guess. We're going to have to put a link on our yes, website. Yes, I really yeah, recommend. Sounds great. I, yeah, I, I think you would like it, Christy, because it's very brain-based, science-based, you know, and I think that would, because Christy's a science background person, and I think that would, I think it'll appeal it. to you. Well, I'm going to get it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so we're about midway, um, Ashley, and so this is when we like to ask the authors, we get to talk to a question in the bottle, and so it's a question that might come up when you get to the end of a bottle. Um, just kind of a fun random question, Christy, as you can see, is shaking an actual bottle of questions. We used to Amazing. call it craft question, but that was too hard to say. So it was. <laughs> nobody understood. They're like, craft? We could have done craft questions, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. So the question is, what would be your perfect weekend? Okay, this is easy. Um, <laughs> I would go back to Tuscany. And this is like unlimited, right? Unlimited yes, money. There's uh, no budget. <laughs> okay, um, great. Then I would go back to Tuscany, which is my favorite place on earth. It's where I got engaged, um, luckily. And I would spend a weekend drinking wine and eating pasta and just enjoying the weekend, probably with my husband and uh, definitely with my husband and my family. <laughs> he can come. Yeah, he can come. But mostly <laughs> the important part is me and the wine and the pasta. In that order. Yes. It's the place to go. I'm eyeing 2022 very hopefully. for yeah. Really? Well, I, I'm an optimist, so <laughs> I'll, I'm sure I'll get disappointed, but. Just crap. Well, fingers crossed. Yep. Okay. So um, we did already talk about pitch wars because I was that's what I was going to ask you about. And um, so even though this process didn't 
work for you? Do you still believe that that's a good process or do you suggest that, I don't know, people hire an editor instead or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, I love that question. And so the fun part is, is this year for the first time, I'm actually a Pitch Wars mentor. So I've come full circle wow. and now I'm on the other side. Um, so life is great that way. So I really do believe in it. Um, and like, like I mentioned, eventually it was Pitch Wars that eventually, eventually helped me <laughs> land my agent, even though it wasn't quite as quickly. And so I am approaching my mentorship now this year. We just announced mentees. So it's very fun, very exciting. So you already have your mentee? I do. I have my mentee. Um, her name is VA Vasquez, and she has written a manuscript uh, titled As of Now, Dating in Murderville. And it's this like phenomenal, it's basically like you meets home before dark meets like OnlyFans, which I know sounds, uh, wow, but it is just sexy and dark and voicey. And so I'm really excited mm. to help her, you know, just kind of uh, work on this and, and bring it out into the world. So I do love it. But what I'm going to do with, uh, with VA and, and any other writers that I'm, I'm speaking to is emphasize how much of a crapshoot everything is, even, mm -hmm. even something like Pitch Wars, which feels like, okay, this is finally it for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't know how much I would, I think it can be dicey hiring editors and spending money to improve your craft. I've had friends who've done it to incredible results and it was really worth it. And I've had friends who didn't have that experience. Yeah. So it really is. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say, but uh, perseverance, grit, reading craft books, reading as much of the, the work in the genre that you're wanting to write in, I think are the most important things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I believe in pitch wars enough to be here on the mentoring side. So if anyone's listening, yeah. In this whole publishing process, when you finally got into the publishing, was there something that, you know, you just like, oh my gosh, I never thought this would happen, like a surprise kind of thing or thing that you want to tell other new writers or whatever that watch out. <laughs> so much uh, has surprised <laughs> me. I, I don't know how I would be able to choose. This has been, this year of being a debut has been nothing but knowing nothing and being continuously surprised and just, <laughs> really? <laughs> and just trying my hardest to keep a cool calm head and you know if i'm worried about something reassure, reassure myself that i'm not the only person who's been worried about this in the history you know i'm not unique mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is this is just the way it goes but i will say things that surprise me are i did not know how little control you have over your cover or your title even. And so oh, really? I love, yes, I love in my dreams, I hold a knife and I love uh, both the title and the cover, but getting there was a process, uh, a long arduous process. <laughs> and okay. it, it's really hard as, at least it was for me, but you can probably just hear already that, you know, I sometimes struggle with self-esteem issues and have plenty of imposter <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> um, probably couldn't have written the book that I wrote without it. But, um, you know, I just felt always at a power disadvantage with my publisher and my editor, who mm -hmm. are the loveliest people in the world. Mm -hmm. And of anyone, you know, I shouldn't have felt that way. But 
I was just so grateful that someone had finally taken a chance on me that it was hard for me to know when to use my voice and when Mm. to say like, I really care about this. So can we please keep looking at different options or can we please keep working on this? And some of the most terrified days I've had over the last year, it's like sending off emails that were very politely pushing back and then you know, ducking and covering. Right, like, and what did I just do? Please don't drop me. <laughs> they're going to drop me. They're going to cancel the contract. I'm going <laughs> to, or they're going to just like label me a difficult writer and no one's going to want to work with me. So I could see that. I would be the same yeah. way, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we, we yeah. get to talk to so many writers about this process and, and everyone's what stories and takeaways are just, it's so interesting. But always what occurs to me is how little you can actually control what, like what's in your lane of control. And that that's, um, for those of us that are control freaks. <laughs> Drives me crazy. Yeah. Yes. Very interesting. It, it yeah. Okay. So I am fascinated to know about your other two novels that are in the works. They are different genres, which I love. Yes. One of them is a thriller, my second thriller, but the other one is my romance debut. That's so exciting. <laughs> Thank you. So a lot of people are like, say what now? <laughs> You're doing what? Um, but yeah, next next year, I actually have two books coming out. Um, April 5th, I have uh, Fool Me Once, which is my romance slash women's fiction debut. And it centers around a woman named Lee Stone, who is professionally a total badass. She's the comms director for an all-women's run electric vehicle company in Texas, in Austin. Cool. Yeah, she's a total badass um, in her professional life, but in her personal life, she's a total mess. Uh, She's a party (laughs) girl. Her nickname is Stoner. Uh, Very well-deserved. She's not the kind of woman who is typically the center of, you know, um, a a romance and she knows it. This is self-described and she's cool with that. Uh, She doesn't really believe in love. And so uh, she has gone around throughout her life and made enemies of pretty much all of her ex-boyfriends. <laughs> she just, things explode for her uh, a lot. And so the book opens with her finally getting the chance to seize her professional Everest, she calls it, which is passing a green energy bill in the state of Texas of all places. Mm, so right, they, yeah. yeah, this is a cathartic <laughs> politics book yeah. where we're pretending that that's possible. Um, it felt great to write that uh, version of Texas, but so she she has this chance with the governor, but the man that she has to work on passing this bill with is none other than the man, the one man she loved from her past, who oh she gosh. most explosively ended things with and essentially ruined his life and drove him out of the state of Texas. He's oh, back. wow. That's pretty no. bad. Yep. <laughs> she's, she's a bit of a mess, but a lovable one. So that's my, oh, that'll, yeah. It'll be fun trying to get them <laughs> back together. Yeah. So I'm curious about where writing that fit in with writing these thrillers. Like, were you, was that always in your mind? Have you already been working on that? Yeah, I, the theme is messy women, apparently. Um, I'm learning. <laughs> it's just across, you know, messy women or women with um, some, a lot of complex thoughts and feelings going, mm. going on. Um, <laughs> you don't always make the best choices. 
So I am a voracious reader of thrillers, romances, fantasy. Actually, the, my Pitch Horse book was a fantasy. If you oh. The one that got shelved. I know I'm all over the map. Um, I just love trying on different styles and different voices. It feels so fun. Um, mm -hmm. And so while I was working on In My Dreams edits, I started writing. Uh, it was originally called Stoner. Now it's Fool Me One. <laughs> Um, for obvious reasons, <laughs> like marketability. Yeah, I was going to um, say that the Romans um, market didn't want stoner. <laughs> so I just started writing it and, and it was such a joy. And I wrote it during the early days of the pandemic and it brought me so much. My husband called it my, my cackle book because he would walk into rooms and find me laughing out loud at oh, things that I'd written awesome. to myself. He's just like, you are, you are too much. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. So, so that's, that's are that. you, you're not still working 60 hours a week plus writing these multiple books. Thank goodness. No, <laughs> I, I have been um, a full-time writer for, I think three months now. Wow. So I'm so excited and I'm so grateful because I don't know right now I'm currently uh, drafting two books uh, concurrently. And I don't know how I would have done this on top of the, the day job. So now do you have, do you have contracts for two different books? Is that why you're drafting two at the same time or one is contracted and one is my next that fingers crossed will eventually find a home. Um, oh, okay. Do you have, I, I know that you like to be organized and you're writing planning. Are you the same way about your writing day? I don't know if the word is organized more than like a creature of routine mm -hmm. I do the exact same thing sit in the exact same place have the exact same cup of coffee <laughs> go through the exact same motions every single day and that is what I guess gives me a sense of peace or I guess you would call that orderliness in, yes. its, in its own way <laughs> well you know there's something to be said for that because then you don't have to waste your brain thinking of what i'm gonna where am i gonna sit what am i gonna have you know you can spend that on your creative writing and everything mm -hmm. else you know it's like this where people wear the same clothes every day like they just <laughs> you know have three different shirts so the same shirt in different colors and they just mix yeah. and match yeah. i mean i've always I wanted to that. kind of do that too <laughs> are you <clears throat> christy recently visited me I thought you were making fun of my husband because he does that. He oh, wears no, the exact no, same no, no. thing every single day. Because he, he, it truly was a decision-making ease for him. He's like, I just don't want to think about that piece of my life. It's like so your animals, man. Remember when our kids could wear, you know, <laughs> yes. uniforms to school and stuff? It's like, don't have He has think. like 11 of the same shirts and 11 <laughs> of the same pants. See, that is my jam. I do the exact same thing. I have like a bunch of black shirts and dresses and that's that's like i rotate them i'm gonna, I'm gonna this is inspiring me i'm gonna try that again i think you know it's, it, i think it's easy because you know writers tend to work from home or from a, a different location where people who are in a more traditional work environment they go and do pretty much the same thing every day and there's something mm -hmm. to be said about that routine mm -hmm. I, I think love but, a routine and my, every single writing day it, it's very comforting because it's bookended by coffee and wine <laughs> so I'll start it, I'll kick it off with coffee and then it gets to 6.30 and it's time to crack open the bottle of wine, which is my little reward. And then if I have any spicy scenes that I have been saving to write, mm. I usually write them during wine time. 
Ooh, there you go. Maybe That's revealing a little bit concept. too much. Writing tip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been so fun. Before we go, Christy has a final question for you. Okay. So we ask this of all our writers. um, Which of your characters would you like to share a meal with and what would it be? Oh, I love that question. So many of my characters would come for me. Um, So I have to be very... Uh, very <laughs> I know, right it's like um, okay well can I be behind bars while yeah. I eat? <laughs> characters are rather dangerous um, yeah. and, and conniving so I guess it would probably be two of the nicer characters so Coop it would be I'd love to share some, a bottle of wine or two over a meal with Coop um, and then probably Caro because she's a good one that yeah. I was and thinking it. Coop too. I was too. That's funny. I'm single, oh, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he just seems like he'd be pretty fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> he would show you a good time. I feel. Okay. <laughs> Ashley, our listeners are going to want to know more about you. So where's the best place to find you? You can find me at ashleywinstead.com. Um, I'm on Instagram where I'm most active at Ashley Winstead books and then Twitter at Ashley Winstead. Okay. So those are my places. Great, great. Well, this is this has been a really fun conversation. So fun. And Such thank you blast. so much for joining us. Thank yes. you for having and now me. We just have to we have to do a cheers. Cheers. Cheers, cheers to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers.